I've been doing this for a long time and I've seen some good times and bad times. But you know, I'll never forget my first sale and that was a condominium in Scarborough back in 1985 and it went for just $50,000. Hello everyone, I'm Desmond Brown and welcome to Sold in the Six. times in this business when you just wonder, you know, how and why could this happen? Well, you know what? I really think this is one of those times. My official title is a real estate agent, but behind the training and the experience, I really just help people. Yep, I just help people make memories. I help them buy a house, sell a house, and, you know, sometimes saying goodbye or hello to a home can be very emotional. And I'm really lucky to have that front row seat to that experience. This is the debut episode of Sold in the Six, and I sell real estate in the city and the GTA, also known as the Greater Toronto Area. Most of us know what's going on in our market, or we think we do. Like I said earlier, now is one of those times when we're left wondering how and why the heck is this happening? Sold in the Six is going to be our roadmap, our compass as we explore and learn about real estate. We're going to share real stories. I want to give you insight about what's going on in our market. Hopefully, We'll give you some information that you've never heard before, stuff that sticks, things that you can take away. I'm Desmond Brown, and welcome to Sold in the Six. Back in March when the pandemic hit, economists predicted that the market would tank, that we'd see a decline in home sales by anywhere from 5 to 30%. Well, they were right, for a little while anyway. At first, things did slow down. People put off buying or selling a home. But then in July, when the Ontario government lifted the restrictions and implemented phase three, our market went absolutely crazy. In July, sales were up 29% compared to the same time last year. In August, 40%. And then in September, it was up a whopping 42% compared to the year before. With numbers like this, yep, you know it, we saw a lot of multiple offers and huge prices that left a lot of us in this industry just shaking our heads. Today, I'm going to talk to a couple who was out there slugging it out in this market, looking to buy their first home. I'd like to welcome Agustina Silva and Matt Herndor. Now, why the heck did you guys decide to shop for a house during this pandemic? I think, I think for us, we, we had kind of talked about it loosely for a while. Transparently, we were pretty terrified of how hot the market was. And I'd say there's probably a little bit of FOMO going on. Um, but I also think we kind of hit a couple of milestones that we had discussed internally. And once we hit them, we really had no more excuses. <laughs> uh, such as? Um, it was a few things. One for me was uh, being made permanent at work in the role that I have. And then for Matt, it was a promotion. So we always had this running joke. Once both of those things happened, um, it was going to be the perfect time to start looking for a house. Uh, and I think they happened within like a month of one another. And we're like, oh, OK. Um, but yeah, we really it was kind of time for us to start looking. We think that COVID probably uh, 
pushed things quickly for us too, because all of a sudden we had the need for kind of two home offices and we're both uh, in jobs where we're on the phone a lot. So um, having space to not have each other's echoing background as your background is also really one of the pushes. Yeah. Okay. Disclaimer here that Matt and Agustin are actually my clients and I went through this buying process with them and we had a lot of fun while we were out there. Um, there were nights that we went to look at houses and there were people lined up waiting to get in. And with COVID measures in place, we couldn't see houses at the same time as other people. So we'd be standing outside waiting for people to, to leave. And when we were coming out, there were sometimes two, three other uh, groups of people waiting to get in. Tell, tell us what you, th you thought about the whole process when you started seeing this type of uh, environment out there. Um, I think it's, I think for me, it's twofold. So on one hand, there's nothing more depressing as a potential buyer than looking at the lineup outside of a house, especially houses that are, if you excuse my French, pretty shitty um, and just really do nothing for you. And there's still 25 people waiting in line to like elbow their way into it. <laughs> and then I think the other kind of funny part was um, just like as, as a miniature anecdote, we, we remember just kind of on one particular Saturday, we were going on to look at houses on the East end and we kept running into the same, couple that was walking around with a with a with a baby and the the, the woman was clearly pregnant with a second and and there the, you, you could see the desperation in their eyes so i think in a lot of ways we wanted to get ahead of that so even though we were kept encountering these very depressing and demoralizing lines we we recognized the position we didn't want to be in so we kind of were willing to kind of trudge through it so to speak yeah that, that, i remember that day very well um now, you did have uh, some offers in on properties and, you know, my philosophy with you and with all my clients is we try not to get caught up in the hype, but we pay what you feel, number one, the house is worth and number two, what you can afford and not go too crazy with the, with the purchase price. So tell us the, how you were feeling when you did go in on, let's talk about like the first one that you offered on and how much you offered over asking. I'm just trying to remember how much we offered over asking. So I think if if I recall, if I recall, so the first house we offered, oof, I think it was a, hmm, this is a good, great question. I think it was about a hundred over asking if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it's funny enough, it actually happened with a couple of them. I think Augustine and I have a, a similar mindset in the sense that we were very happy to get to the finish line in terms of like, you know, you press the DocuSign button, but I would always have this like, not a panic attack, but just like this overwhelming sense of doubt as I was getting ready to, to press like sign here mm -hmm. for these offers. It's a good and thing. It's, it's a huge purchase. It's a huge, and it's, and you know, it's, you know, even though you did an awesome job with us, it's just like, you can't help you, you. If you have to acknowledge the fact that you're wildly ignorant and at, and at the, at the mercy of these like external factors that are completely out of your control. So you're, you know, it was our first offer. We're like, okay, we love, we loved the first house. It had some compromises, but we pressed, we pressed the okay button. We're like, and then there's a huge sign of relief as you kind of just accept your decision. Mm -hmm. But it is, it is terrifying, especially on the first one. You're just like, my God, what are we getting ourselves into? And um, if you remember, I said, if you're going to lose, you may as well lose big. You don't want to lose by a thousand dollars or whatever. And we got blown out of the water on that one by what? A hundred thousand dollars, wasn't it? I think we that's right, $100,000. Yeah, it was $100,000. Yeah, we lost big. We lost big. That was, that was the way to go. And I think we also had some realistic expectations, which I think is really important in this market and has been important for a while in this market here in Toronto. Um, you know, I think bidding wars and, 
you know, being outbid by a lot, bidding multiple times. We have lots of friends who have been in that same scenario and we have pretty much, I don't know of really anyone who hasn't been outbid in this market at some point on a house that they've been looking at. So we came in with a realistic expectation that we would 100% most likely get outbid once or maybe multiple mm -hmm. times. You know, you hear the story of people getting outbid, you know, double digits. Yeah, so true. Well, I remember like we we did cover a lot of ground. We saw a lot of houses, probably about um, I think about thirty houses at least, right? Um, I'll never forget the first day I met you. It was in a I guess a questionable area of town, <laughs> and um, as I turned the corner to uh, come up to the house, there there were a couple of uh, ladies of the night standing on the corner, and the ladies in the mid afternoon standing on the corner. I'm like, okay, I know they wanted to see a house on this street, but I think. Uh, we've got to show them a better neighborhood than this. Um, but then as we started getting into the process, um, you, you had some sp uh, specific needs. You talked about each having, uh, wanting to have an office because you're working from home a lot more, but then there is that other factor there. You, you've got a husband there, Matt, who's like six foot five. And it was every time we, let's talk about the basements when we walked down to the basements, Agostina. Yeah, so I would hold my breath every time Matt would head towards the basement of any house we were seeing because you just inevitably waited for, you know, him to be like, yep, we're good, or just be like, shit, or to say, like, <laughs> absolutely not. I can't even, you know, get my, like the top of my head through the first two steps. So, yeah, the basement um, height became a, a really big factor. And then in many houses, especially on the East End, uh, you, a lot of the doorways too, they're, they're beautiful, like little older houses, and you just um, have lower door frames and the possibility of hitting his head on every single entrance in an entire house became uh, a, a bit of a factor. So I'll just add, I'll add, so there's a couple of things. I think one thing that I find really funny about this whole thing is Whenever I went into a house, and you and I watch other people like show me their houses now, like my friends. But whenever I walk into a house, I would look at the first floor, and then I would always go to the basement next. And like for a lot of other couples, I have to imagine the basement is the last thing you look at. But for us, you know, we weren't looking at a lot of uh, you know three-story houses based on our based on our budget. So the basement basement became like an absolute necessity. It also meant that when we walked into a house, and I felt like we had enough room, couples that had you know couples that were both under six feet must have thought the places were palatial mm -hmm. and thus the premiums they were willing to pay for it was very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that. Yeah. It's good old Toronto prices. Right. And I, I'd often joke too, is saying, look at, I can't be selling you something that if you have to jump up quickly, if you're in the basement, you have to jump up quickly that you end up knocking yourself out. Like that doesn't go over very, very well. So then we moved on and I think we had offer on a, we had an offer on another property again. Um, Again, I think you were probably uh, a good hundred thousand, at least a hundred. No, I think it was one hundred and thirty thousand dollars over the asking price again. And tell us what happened there. We also lost big, I think, or a little less big the second time. Yeah, oh, did we lost big? Oh, we lost even bigger. So, kind of going back to your point, um, if if you were going to lose, lose by a lot. So, so I'll give I'll give a little bit of color. Um, I mean, it was that that one was that one was like, I think that the the perfect representation of the Toronto, the heater that the Toronto housing market was on. So essentially, we put in our offer again, went through the same you know trials and tribulations. You know, Augustine and I were going back and forth on the contract signing, you know, 
calling my mom, you know, asking for anyone who would give their opinion about whether it was the right move. We put in our offer. And then actually, you know, you know, Desmond, this is where it got it got interesting. I think this was, you know, one of the few times I actually thought I saw you lose your cool. You know, the, the, we we the the we were, you know, to your point, we were hundred hundred thirty thousand dollars over asking, and then we got this callback from you, and you know, you weren't impressed by it. So maybe you should tell us what what the call you gave us was. Yeah, I, I called you back and I said, well, uh, the agent called back and said that well, there are four offers, and she's going to send us all back. So the agent was setting up, setting up a bidding war here. So she's going to send us all back so we could do better. And I was like, oh, for God's sake, come on. Like, we wait until offer date. I usually advise my people to come in with the strongest offer possible right off the bat. And then she's sending us back and saying, you know, that they wanted more money. So we've got four people competing and the, the sellers are still, let's put it, Let's be clear. They were greedy. They wanted more. So, yeah, I kind of like, uh, I was a little pissed off at that. So I said, okay, let's remember, you know, you just pay what you think it's worth and what your ceiling on this is going to be as well for your affordability. And then I think we went back with a little bit more. And um, the next day, uh, the price was posted and yeah, we got blown out of the water again. But this is, this is the ridiculous part. I mean, we went up, you know, I, I don't know, we went up 15 grand on our second offer and like, you know, we kind of joked that like, you know, this is never going to work. And the fact that we lost by, I don't know, $150,000 after our, our going back to the well, it just kind of shows you we were never really in the running to begin with, but just mm -hmm. like the culture, the culture of, of, you know, sellers selling into this hot market was so to your point, there was some greed going on. Like we should never have been, we should never have been re-engaged. Like we were never going to come back with a $200,000 higher offer. Exactly. And basically what they did on the other side was they used our offer to jack up the final price. And I hate when that happens. Yeah. And I remember at the end too, it, it seemed like with, even with the final price that they got, that the buyers still weren't fully happy, that they seemed to have still wanted more. Yeah, yeah, the sellers weren't happy exactly because I spoke to the agent the next day and she said, "Yeah, but you know, she told me the sold price and then she says, uh, but they're not happy." And I said, "Are you kidding me? You know, that one basically it's only a two bedroom and they got that price for it." And let them know that they should be really really happy. So the agent says, "Well, they're not happy with me either. Do you think you could send me a text and just say, you know, that you think that the buyer's got a good a good, or sorry, that the sellers got a good price on this, and that uh, you know, so I can, so I could uh, pass it on to them, so they will be happy with me. So I said, yeah, okay, I'll send a text and <laughs> just to help your relationship with your seller. But yeah, that's the. Oh, I know. Yeah, we all we, we try to work together sometimes as agents in this business. Uh, but yeah, so that was the nature of it all. So okay, so we were looking at certain neighborhoods. You wanted to be close to your, you, you know, um, Matt works in financial services and, uh, and, uh, Agostino works, uh, is a civil servant, I guess it's safe to say. So you wanted to be close to the core, be able to walk and so on. Let's talk about how you regrouped after, after losing those, those houses. So I think one of the, the big things is we took another list, a look at our list, our list of, you know, must haves and, uh, location included. And so that was one thing that we sort of decided to look not 
far away, still still keeping within, you know, what what we sort of wanted, but kind of expanding our search area a little bit, which for us actually meant going north of the Danforth. So it was not something that we had really been considering beforehand, and it wasn't really an area that we were very familiar with. Um, access to transit was a really big factor for us, uh, no matter what. So, you know, we either wanted to be closer closer to the downtown core if we stayed on the east end or if not at least closer to a subway station um, so that was one of the ways i think probably the biggest way that we regrouped um, there were things that we weren't really willing to compromise on and that that we knew um, and that was you know number of bedrooms and um, the basement or just the general fit and feel of the place in terms of spaciousness Well, in every episode, we're going to feature one of my favorite businesses. And today, I'm on the Danforth, and it's Caruso's. That's my tailor, and I've been going there for, oh gosh, at least 30 years. But they have the greatest clothes and the greatest people. Hey, how you doing? When you talked about being north of the Danforth, um, to put it kind of um, my or kindly like you drag Matt north of Danforth (laughs) pretty much yeah it's really funny I mean I there's 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 a nuance to all of this which is that after we after we lost out in our second house um we were actually wouldn't say we were deflated I think we were so we, we actually laughed off how ridiculous the price ended up being then there was actually a couple other houses in the meantime that we thought we might put in a bid on and then actually that day a bully bid would come in and it'd be $200,000 $200,000 more than we'd be willing to put in. So, and then actually there's a period where the listings kind of slowed down because of a, a long weekend and just generally speaking. So actually it was good. We can kind of, we, we kind of regrouped mentally. And then to your point, I mean, then the next time we went out, it was almost like, all right, well, what, what, what's available and let's get creative with it, which I think was an important first step towards the kind of eventual, the eventuality of where we ended up. Yeah. So true. Um, so Let's talk about that area that uh, you you went to north of the Danforth there, and and the house itself. And and Agustina actually found this one on Unrealtor.ca and and and, and uh, said that they'd like to take a look at it. And I'm like, that's not an area you want to be in. But oh well, uh, let's look at it anyway. So what was it about that house? Um, a few things. It had parking, which somehow was a challenging thing to get in a lot of houses um, in the Leslieville area. Um, it had a particularly wide lot, which was pretty important, um, you know, for, for Matt in particular, the concept of like not feeling squished and having space. So um, the double, it was almost a double lot or close to um, compared to other places we had looked at. And it was actually also quite a, a long lot. So the the lot was attractive to us. Um, and then, you know, just looking at the pictures, I made a judgment from my eye that I thought he would fit quite well in the basement. Um, so that was a factor. And it met it met our other conditions of, you know, having having like three proper bedrooms and it looked spacious and it looked like it was, you know, done up. So those were sort of the things that attracted me to at least saying, like, let's go look at it. Um, I think it also helps that Matt has a uh, a friend who him and his wife have also moved even further north than that area and so I was like oh we should take a look you know at least try I would also say I mean it was quite funny we saw the house and we saw it at, at night we saw it at around um I don't know 7 p.m uh it was, yeah, it was dark it was already at fourth house of the night it was already dark 
Uh, and you know, we had a, a, a common consensus, which was like, we looked at each other and said, Oh shit, <laughs> because we knew, we knew it checked a lot of boxes. Yeah. And we, that terrified us because it was just not an area we had even fathomed, you know, and like, I, 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 I dread to say this, but you know, by definition, it's just over the border into East York. And you know, that, that was, I mean, that's a, that's a real gun, gut punch for us. So, you know, again, the, so, but as soon as the house, like so obviously cleared, you know, all the hurdles from a house standpoint, the, the question changed to not, is this house good enough? Because it is an, it's a spectacular house. It's, can we get on board with wherever the hell we are right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I remember that. I remember when you said that, that you looked at me and you said, okay, so you just said, shit, this house ticks almost all of the boxes. Okay, so... What you did, because it was in a neighborhood that you wanted to be in, um, you went back the next day and checked out the neighborhood. And so then tell us what your you know, perceptions were of the neighborhood after doing that. So, so funny enough, I've, so I've got, I had, Augustina just mentioned that we had one, one of our close friends had just moved just a few blocks north. And then I actually re remember that another friend uh, who's actually works in the real estate game as well, had actually moved a little bit north and a little bit east of where we, where we were, were eyeballing. So he you know, he gave us not just the tour of the neighborhood. He also gave us the quote unquote hard sell of the neighborhood. Oh, you know, he, he was, you know, and, you know, you know, he really told us, you know, this is, this is, this is amazing. You know, it's got this, it's got that things we didn't really kind of realize. The other thing that was quite funny was that we actually, I think by accident gave the neighborhood this best shot because we actually started by walking in what I would call the wrong natural direction away from the house. Mm -hmm. So we walked, we walked North and then we walked down Pape. And I would say in that area, that's probably the best way to do the neighborhood a disservice. Because on the way back, as we're walking north of the Danforth and through Plater Estates, you know, you realize that the walk to the Danforth is actually spectacular. You're walking through glorious, uh, you know, high-end neighborhoods in Toronto. And, you know, you actually feel like you're a part of those neighborhoods. So, you know, you, what, you, what we quickly realized was that, you know, we oriented ourselves, you know, when, you, when we leave our new house, we're going to have to walk south and west. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you are absolutely thrilled with where you are. Not to mention that, you know, we quickly also realized that we're a sub 10 minute walk to, to the subway station. Um, and that's actually really important for us as well. So we're very, very close to easy transit. Um, and, and the neighborhood is actually quite nice. And it was good to go back and see it during the day and, and realize that basically the Danforth was going to be our new our new hood. And when we had actually looked at where the first house that we bid on was, we realized that had we bid and won that house, that it actually would have probably been the same chunk of the Danforth that would have been our neighborhood. It was just mentally thinking, and it would have been about the same amount of time to walk to that same subway station. So it was just changing our, our concept and our mental map of being, you know, north versus south of the Danforth. And, you know, Matt has been nicknaming the new area we moved into as being uh, Greater Plater. So we are yeah. going to rename it to the Greater Plater Estates. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, you ended up buying there. But of course, it wasn't that easy. Like even when you decided that you wanted to put in an offer, you, we, we went in with a bully offer the day or two days before the, uh, the actual offer date. They turned it down and then we ended up competing again. And uh, we got it. We actually, from what I'm told, we had less money than uh, another offer that was there. But uh, they must have seen a picture of you too and said, well, we're going to give it to this <laughs> lovely young couple. 
No, I said, you know, we, we put a, we put together a very, very good clean offer and, um, you know, you're really, really easy to represent just to, to let these people who are buying from, uh, know that you were solid, that you would follow through right to closing. And, uh, you've got, you've got your house, you've got your beautiful first home. Isn't that amazing? I, I mean, I, so I, you know, you can use the word amazing. I mean, I think any first time home buyer that, you know, we, which we now are the, the company with, with whom we now share would say it's actually terrifying. I would, <laughs> I don't think Augustina slept for more than six minutes the night we bought our house. I mean, there, there is such a, there is such a sense of terror. Yeah. And actually one, one of my friends put this hilarious, like really well, he was like, the real the real problem with buying a house is it generally means you're the biggest sucker out there. <laughs> <laughs> so we were thrilled with the house. And you know, every second that we think about the neighborhood and, and what we've got gotten ourselves into, we're happier about it. But it is a terrifying experience to you know, not just put an offer, but to win the offer. My lord, is that terrifying. Yeah, yeah. There's a is there any type of uh I know you're terrified, but is there any type of remorse at all? Because some people say there's no none at all. Eh? I would say no. I didn't have any remorse about like the house. The house hits everything, like there's nothing to change. It's it's a great house. And I can envision that house fitting into what we hope our future will bring for us, which was you know, one of the challenges we had when looking at houses, because right now we're a young married couple, we don't have children currently, and trying to find a house that you're like, thinking you can use in multiple ways, if you have kids, if you need to have two home offices forever, and everything in between. So not on the house, the neighborhood, we are slowly and continue to come around to. And I think it's one of those things that you that you move in. But Certainly from a financial perspective, especially in this market, it is very terrifying. Um, but I don't think it's remorse. It's just, it's quite scary. I would also add one thing, which is about the home buying, like the the the, the last five yards, so to speak, which is, you know, as, and you know, and Des, you, you'll remember this, you know, as we were going in the home stretch, it sounded like we were in the lead. And then they, they took there's a couple of nuanced things that they took off the, they wanted us to kind of strike from the, uh, the, the buying agreement. Mm-hmm. And, and what was, you know, what's terrifying about that, that moment is, you know, we don't really under, necessarily understand it. And it's hard to fully grasp all of the, the nuances in, a, in as you're, you know, you've got three seconds to make a decision about whether or not you're going to amend your offer. And, you know, I'm, you know, Des, maybe you can talk, talk, you know, from your end, you know, I, you know, you have a couple of panicked first-time home buyers, and you're just trying to guide them through. It's true, and I know I remember that. And that was the survey that they didn't have a survey, and that they we had a you know asking for a survey clause, or we had a clause asking for a survey, and then they said no, we don't have one. Strike it, and then, you know, I just take it for granted because we do this all the time with with land with with uh, title insurance. Uh, we're closing houses left and right without surveys you don't need them so i had to be able to explain that to you and like i said i take it for granted we do this all the time but that was you know i always learn something with every with every transaction is that i've got to really make sure that i explain everything clearly to everybody so when we get down to the crunch like this you're not feeling like there's a gun to your head like you got to make a decision on this and that so anyway just to be sure on all that i didn't just like had double guess myself for a second. I called up my lawyer and and I got um, the explanation from him again about closing deals with just title insurance uh, without having a survey. And then I called you back and said, yep, everything's good. So it all worked out really, really well. We got it. I was really surprised when we got it. I was like, whoa, amazing. And I, like, I always feel that way when I get something for one of my clients, right? But uh, it, it's, it's so exciting. And I'm just so happy for you guys that, that you got that house. I really am. Um, so in closing, 
what can you tell people out there who are going to go through the process? I think I would say have a really firm idea of what you really want and what are nice to haves and to be very firm about what your bottom line is um, in terms of both like your financial situation um, and just and just anything else that you think you need. And I think the other piece of advice that I would also give is if you're looking to to buy something for the next five years, 10 years or, or whatever it may be, is to really try to think ahead to what you might need. And I think that was something that we learned from some of our friends who were maybe first time home buyers that purchased something back in the day and then you know they purchased it at a time when they were you know young married couples didn't have kids didn't maybe need as much space um and then quickly found that they had completely run out of room um in you know almost overnight so i think that was something that i took from from mm -hmm. other people's experiences as well is to if you're really buying your first time home and you want it to be something that you can grow into is to really have those conversations as a couple about what that means and what that would look like. So I, I obviously echo what, what Augustine has just said. Um, I would say do those things, but also revisit when you learn something about yourself. So in my case, I realized I had a little idiosyncrasy that I desperately hated creaky floors. Yeah. <laughs> and legitimately, I, I couldn't have bought a house with a creaky floor. And as a result of that, you know, it had to be on the list. And, you know, it's not obvious, but I just hate creaky floors. And so, you know, it's, you, you, you have to, and you know, and what's funny is you have to be open-minded, you know, you look at Leslieville and then you look at this and then you look at that. But at a certain point in a, in a market like Toronto, certain areas get overheated in a way that doesn't necessarily reflect what you want and be open-minded to go to the next area and, and give it a fair shake. You know, don't just look at a house for five minutes and drive away. If a house interests you, give it a, you know, walk through the area for three hours and really get a feel for what it would be like living there. Yeah. And you guys sure did that. Well, Again, thank you very, very much for joining me on my first podcast, the debut podcast, Agustina and Matt. Again, it was such a pleasure working with you and um, I can hardly wait to see it after you move in. The pleasure was ours. Thanks so much, Des. Great. Thanks very much. So that's our first episode of Sold in the Six. I want to thank my producers, Doug Downs and Steve Kassar for helping me through this. This is first time for me. And if you need to get in touch with me, you can email me at des at desmondbrown.ca or feel free to visit my website in the six realestate.com. That's six spelt with the number six IX, you know, the cool way. 